You are listening to the Permission to Burn Your Manual podcast. I am your host, Kathy Whaley, MD, physician and life coach. Do you want to live the life you choose? A life that is by design rather than by default? Well, that path to the life you choose is uniquely yours, and it's filled with limitless potential. So join me and burn your manual. This book that defines our expectations of self, but also holds us back. Together, we will forge, innovate, and refine as we go along. Hello, my loves. And I really mean it. This is my labor of love, this podcast. So I just want you to know, I am sending so much love out into the world for you. This is Kathy Whaley, MD, and you are listening to the Permission to Burn Your Manual podcast. Today, we're going to talk about love languages. And I want you to buckle up because where we're starting is not where we're going to end. This episode is going to pack a wallop, but in the best way. So what do I mean by love language? I mean the way in which you express love or receive love. And everybody's love language is different slightly. No two people are the same. And therefore, it can be very challenging to navigate the love language when we do not have the same love language as a parent, as a spouse, as a child. Any relationship you have, the love language difference must be navigated. So love language is ultimately the act of love. How do you show it? How do you receive it? Love is practiced every day. But are you seeing it? So this is the problem. We don't always recognize when we are receiving the practice of love. And others don't always recognize it when we're giving it. So within that, that is the potential for missing out on a connectedness that could be there. When we don't recognize the love and there is a mismatch in the languages, we will experience less trust, less compassion, less respect. So here is one example that I think illustrates this point well. My two boys are named Linus and Carter. Linus is my little one and Carter is my older one. They could not be more different in terms of their love languages. Linus loves a lot of physical affection. He plays the kissy monster game and loves to give hugs and offers a lot of eye contact. Carter, however, has some sensory challenges. So no way, he does not want to kiss. That's a definite no, kissing not allowed. He does offer eye contact, but it is less than average. And he will hug, but interestingly, he turns his back to you so he's facing away from you and you're essentially facing his back. 
So as you can see, what we might label as traditional affection, not Carter's forte. So you can imagine what happened, right? Linus was constantly trying to give Carter kisses, and Carter could not handle it. It was like nails on a chalkboard. And both were looking for evidence from the other of a love practice, but they weren't seeing it. So Linus would try to kissy Carter. Carter would be trying to crawl out of his skin. And the end result was both were upset. Neither of them felt the practice of love together. Linus was sitting there saying to me, Carter doesn't want my love. And wouldn't you know, Carter was saying, I hate kisses. Linus is doing this on purpose. He's trying to upset me. So in Carter's mind, the act of being kissed was the opposite of a love practice. So what did we do about this? I facilitated a love language conversation between a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. Yes, I did. So we discussed, how does Linus live in love? Physical affection. How does Carter live in love? Well, when Carter really thought about it, just occupying the same space was an offering of love. I mean, here is my child that gets easily overwhelmed by sounds and can really enjoy some alone time reading a book, but he chooses to be out in these situations where the noise can be rather challenging. The other thing that he does is he actively tries to do things to make people happy. So for example, Linus loves trains, so he'll try to build him a big exhaustive train track. So the boys came together after this discussion and chose how am I receiving love? So for Linus, how does Carter give him love? Train sets and togetherness. And how does Carter receive love now? Actually, he accepts hugs from Linus because that feels okay to him. And Linus now understands Carter just doesn't like kisses. So the love is given and received freely. No strings attached. Linus doesn't feel rejected at the kiss phobia. And Carter doesn't feel like Linus is trying to upset him. So spouses do something similar, right? My husband is very similar to Carter. He's not verbally extremely effusive in the love language. I can't say that either of us are particularly kissy monster-ish. Linus just takes that to a whole new level. But we do have to recognize each other's practice of love. Now, here's a framework for tackling each other's love language so that you can move forward, not only recognizing someone's practice of love, but also them recognizing yours. The first framework is to identify your love language. Both what are the things that you identify 
as being in service of love, right? So if your spouse bringing you flowers is your idea of love language. And so it's a receive and give. You want to know what are the ways that you collect evidence that you're getting love and what are the things you do that's showing love. And you're going to get the same from the other person. And then you're going to reconcile those things and compromise and find the acceptable ways. But even if there is no compromise, because it's not necessary, what you want to do is understand how the other person ticks in regard to the love language. But there's a big obstacle. We've talked often about how our beliefs create our reality. It's not the other way around. So if you don't wholeheartedly hold the belief that this person loves you, you are not going to find the evidence for the practice of love from that person. Indeed, you will collect all of the evidence to the contrary. So let's say this. You plan a special night out, you buy a gift for your spouse or partner, and your spouse doesn't contribute to the planning, doesn't buy you a gift, but goes. There are lots of people out there who plan these romantic getaways or special evenings and then feel slighted when something special hasn't been done back for them. And understand, planning that special night was likely more about you if you're upset when it's not reciprocated. What you may also fail to recognize is that this is a person who doesn't really like going out. They don't like all of the fuss. And they're going for you. And that is their practice of love. Now that is actually an example that my relationship has been through. We're not there now. I don't translate those things into um, our practice of love. But here's where I'm going to call the reality check. In any relationship, the feeling of love is always available to you. An emotion about a relationship, about a person, is a choice. And if you're sitting here right now with like bug feelings crawling up your arms, like, nah, uh, no, it's not, just hang on. Again, our belief creates our reality, it's not the other way around. So if someone forgets to take out the trash or accidentally leaves your stuff at the dry cleaners. Let's say you have some big conference and you're the keynote speaker and your outfit gets left at the dry cleaners and you can't get it. There will be someone out there that says they must not love me or else they wouldn't have forgotten my stuff. Why would we choose to make that mean that? That's a choice. Honestly, some people have ADHD and can't keep all the brawls in the air. That would be my son. Some people 
just make mistakes. And so I'm saying this to say when you internally are truly believing this person loves me, when that mistake is made, however egregious, you don't go to the place of if you cared more, you wouldn't have effed this up. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be frustrated. But that is not a condition for your love. Now I have a new question. What makes someone lovable? So your spouse. What could increase their lovability? And you may be going to an item list. Well, if they did more romantic things, if they took out the trash more, if they said, I love you more. And I'm going to tell you, it's not true. Your spouse's lovability is directly related to your capacity to love him or her. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, just like worthiness, we're inherently born lovable. It is again just a fact. If we weren't inherently lovable, all babies would die. So, if you're born infinitely lovable, as lovable as you can ever be and will ever be, then how do you experience more love? How? You're born infinitely lovable, yet the amount of love that you experience in relation to a person is different. One relationship may give you a higher sense of love than another. Very plainly, it comes back to their capacity to love you. You are infinitely lovable. So the amount of love that you receive is related to their capacity to love, not how lovable you are. When you are loved tremendously, it is a reflection of the other person's capacity to love. And when you are loved minimally, if at all, it is a reflection of that person's capacity to love. Now, I'm just going to pause right here right now for a little bit to say, this is a very dense topic. So if you are already sitting here feeling overwhelmed, hit the pause button, take a break, and start this episode over again at a different time. Because there's a lot in here, and one listen is probably not going to cover it all. And getting to the point of overwhelm is your brain's way of saying, hit the pause, stop. Okay, now we're going to talk about 
how you love yourself. Because, remember, you are born infinitely lovable. It's a fact. It never changes. There it is. So how much do you love yourself? I want you to just spend a minute and answer that, right? Because we often spend a lot of our time saying nasty things to ourselves, judging ourselves, feeling unworthy. And those things are really not coming from a place of love. So how much you love yourself is about your capacity to love yourself. Now, I want you to ask yourself some questions. What needs to happen for you to love yourself more? Because often there are conditions to it. It's not unlike where it was a worthiness or an arrival. You know, we, we find ourselves worthy when we have an accomplishment. So. I'll be worthy when I'm officially a doctor. But then you get there and there's a whole new step. I'll be worthy when I finish residency. We often have those same sorts of restrictions when it comes to how we love ourselves. And instead of loving ourselves unconditionally, truly free from conditions, we put conditions on it, as if love is something that we have to earn. Are you trying to earn your own love right now? Some of you are going to say yes. So I want you to think about the reasons why you are struggling to love yourself. And you may not immediately have an answer for that, but then you realize that somewhere deep inside the brain, you have defined the parameters by which you are deserving of love from yourself. And that is messed up. Now, don't beat yourself up about it. We all do this. But it's a point of, do you want to do this, right? What could possibly be going on with you to prevent you from loving yourself? It can't feel good to be in the place where you've chosen not to love yourself through placing conditions. And I am using the word chosen. Let me be clear. Habits die hard. Core beliefs are formed early. They stick with it. So I'm not implying that you have knowingly gotten to this place with conditions that have resulted in you not loving yourself. That's not what I'm saying. It's not your fault. What I'm now saying is, if you're sitting here with a moment of awareness, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to commit to providing yourself unconditional love, truly 
free of conditions because you were born 100% lovable and earning love is not necessary. And no matter what happens, you can continue to love yourself because conditions aren't welcome here. What could that feel like? What could it feel like to increase your capacity to love yourself? And I can tell you, it feels effing amazing. So let's say that we've done the thought work and we've gotten there. We've increased our capacity to love ourselves. We recognize that we're infinitely lovable from the get-go. And we show ourselves that love in our mind. But then what happens when your actions don't actually reflect the love? Because the thought work, while a core and important part, probably 90% of the part of changing this, while it is a core, there's that other percent where we are our own example of what's possible. And we have to take a look at our life and see if we actually are being our own example of what's possible or if we're just thinking about it. Our society readily embraces the concept of putting yourself last. And from observation, I would say that healthcare professionals have internalized that message to an extremely concentrated extent. So I frequently hear from clients and friends, if I say no to the overtime shift, if I say no to this place anymore, if I say no to being a respiratory therapist or a doctor or a nurse, who is going to take care of these patients? Within that, I hear a very strong sense of duty and work ethic, and frankly, the love of society, of humanity. I don't object to that. The problem is, is that we're constantly subjugating our well-being through our actions of always saying yes. How many times have you said yes to that extra shift? Or yes, I'm staying in this job. And when you say it, you feel like you want to claw out of your skin because you really want to say no. Saying yes some of the time isn't the problem. The problem is saying yes, believing that you can't say no. What must it mean when our actions show we love our patients more than ourselves? When our capacity to love society and humanity is greater than our capacity to love ourselves? I'm going to let you decide 
what you make that question mean and that fact mean if it applies to you. As you can see, love is a very complex topic. And I'm going to leave you with this. Be your own example of the capacity to love. I frankly don't think it could be any harder to love anyone more than ourselves. That has certainly been true for me. The person that has been the hardest for me to love and has required the most capacity growth has been for me. So honey, if you can increase your capacity to love yourself, everything is possible. So be your own example of what's possible. Learn to love yourself without conditions, recognizing that you're infinitely lovable right now. And then go spread it with the world. Because what the world needs now is more love. That's all I have today for you, my friends. I thank you for joining me here every week. It is truly one of my dreams realized. If you would be so kind as to leave a review or a rating, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, I would appreciate it. It helps me get the message out to more people. Have an awesome Monday. Are you ready to start making progress, forging the path to the life you choose? Well, visit me at freedomforphysicians.com. Here you will find free resources and guides for any healthcare professional ready to get started. As always, I'd love to hear from you, so don't hesitate to reach out.